You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Yes, it's the Ron Rivera Happy New Year edition. There is no therapy Thursday needed. I don't know that we're going to need that for a while, at least not until the season starts. This is a terrific move by the Redskins, and I have David Newton here to talk about it. He covered Rivera in Carolina for ESPN, and he provides great insight. I also have Mike Jones from USA Today and the Football Jones podcast. Give Mike's podcast a listen. Mike has always had excellent knowledge, and he works his ass off. That's why he's always been one of my favorites. And then it's just me with my thoughts on the hire and other moves. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with David Newton. Now I'm going to bring in my ESPN counterpart in Carolina, David Newton, very familiar with Ron Rivera, having covered him for most of his tenure with the Panthers. And so David, what are the Redskins getting in Ron Rivera? I think they're getting a complete package with him. I mean, from what he can do on the field, I think he's a great defensive mind. Uh, he took over the defensive play call in here the last couple of years trying to get things fixed because they had a really strong run defensively under him. But then they lost Sean McDermott, their defensive coordinator. Um, they lost him to Buffalo, and you've seen how well he's turned out. And that hurt them moving forward. Uh, and they lost some other key coaches and all of that. So uh, I, I think he's going to be great for the community. He's big in the military, so being near Reed Hospital and things like that, I think you're going to see a guy that's really going to be very active in, in those type things. And he's really good at assembling a good staff. I know Jack Del Rio is a guy that's been uh, put out there that could be joining the staff. And I covered Jack Del Rio when he turned his defense around uh, back in the early 2000s and helped him get to the Super Bowl in 2003. And um, Ron's really good at, at bringing in good people for that. And he's really a player's coach too. Players really like him. I mean, when a lot of times when a, a coach is fired, you hear players, you know, not really complaining a lot because they feel like it's time for them to move on. But with Ron Rivera, there was nothing but praise and, and almost like they were, it was almost like a mourning period this team had. I think that actually contributed to their losing their four games after he left because a lot of players just appreciated everything he did for them. I remember back in, I guess, 2013, he was coming off two straight losing seasons. They started uh, with a what, one and three or 0 oh and three record, and there was rumors that he would get fired in the bye week. But Ron moved his office down next to the locker rooms. We had two offices, one upstairs, but one down there, because he felt like he had separation from the players, and he, he really was wow. losing touch with what's going on in the locker room. And I, that really started that turnaround. That team won, I think, what, eight straight games after that? And, uh, whatever the 10 they finished 12 and 4 won in SC South and they won it three straight years um so players love him to death and, and what he does I, Greg Olson I know it's a long answer here but Greg Olson went on and on about what losing Ron Rivera meant to, to him and talk, talked about how he went through all his text messages from Ron and 
he said not one single one of them included football. They were all about his family. And, and Ron will create that family atmosphere, the culture. He always brought his wife uh, around the team. Some people criticize him for that. But he wanted to see how important it was for, for players to see how his relationship is with his wife, how he treated her. So, again, he, I think he's a complete package, and, and the Redskins are getting a really good coach. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because I've heard that what you were talking about with the players and how he gets to know them. Josh Norman had talked about that up here. And you know how like when, when people hear, oh, he's a player's coach, some people, some fans automatically dismiss it. Oh, he's too lenient. He's too this or that. I didn't get the sense from talking to Josh that that's how it was. It was more that they just appreciated that he got to know them as more than just a player. Exactly. And, and Ron was a player himself. I mean, he played for the 85 Bears that won the right. Super Bowl. And he's always referring back to his time um, with them. And Mike Dick has been a big influence on his career. And I tell you what, the one person that's really made a big influence on his career is John Madden. Uh, the former owner, Jerry Richardson, I think got them together back when the team was struggling. And, um, and Ron always believed in, in having some former head coaches to mentor him. And he said he learned a lot from John Madden and, and everything that uh, that you know he went through through all his personal experiences. And uh, again, I he, and he feels strongly about for especially young coaches having another head coach on the on the on his team to to help out. I, I think that's one reason he brought in North Turner, a guy he was working under in San Diego to help right. him out try to turn things around here, not just for what he could do offensively, but what you know he could bring as far as experience and, and advice and, and things like that. He's, he's, that's one of the recommendations he's given people like Sean McDermott when they started their staff is to, to make sure you hire somebody that, that has that experience. If you have none, then it's really a tough haul. Yeah, and I think you, know, you brought up Del Rio's name, so I'm sure that plays into that thinking. But let's go back to the time when he was almost fired. You said he moved his office down by the locker room. How did that – how do you think that directly helped? Do you remember anything that he learned from doing that or that the players saw from that that contributed to that turnaround? I think it was big in a lot of ways. I mean, first they showed – it showed that he cares about them and, and, and he got to know them as people, not just, you know, football players. And he also was more in touch with what was going on in the locker room. He would – you know, players felt more free to come into his office and tell him what was what was wrong, and and he could give him advice there. And he he would also like at the end of the season, he would go out with a handful of of key players, the key leaders on the team, and just have a very open, frank discussions about what they saw went wrong during the season, or what they saw was positive, and how they can make things better for the next year. So he's all in on being a player's coach, and I, I think that was really key to the success he had here. And I know the big stickler for him was when a lot of people, including myself, have written how he never had back-to-back -back winning seasons. Right. But but he he believes in that 7-8-1 uh, job he did back in 2014 when they were – Right. Four games ago, they looked like they were hopeless, and they won their final four games in a weak division, obviously. But they made the playoffs, and he thinks that should count. He actually thinks that might be one of his better jobs at, at uh, coaching. So – um, he feels like you got to credit him for getting the playoffs three straight years, went into division three straight right. years, and three out of, I guess, four out of uh, five at one point. So um, he, he did bring some stability to this organization. I, I think the change was made more than anything because they had two straight bad years, and David Tepper, the new owner, 
really just wanted to get his own person in there. And, and another thing on that, I, I haven't really mentioned this, but um, analytics is big for David Tepper. He wants a guy that's going to be big into that. And while Ron believes in analytics to a degree, he also believes a lot with your gut feeling and what you've gotten from years of experience. And that's what he relies on more than the, what just raw numbers to say. Yeah, and, and, and that's, um, you know, as you know, like that's become a big thing. But that's why I think like former players do rely on more than just those numbers. And um, so that's, that's interesting, interesting to note, sir. The other thing is, too, a big part of coming here is going to be developing Dwayne Haskins. How did you see him work with Cam Newton? I've always heard that, they had a, that he was always very high on him. But how did you see that relationship develop and how he handled Cam? He was he was all in on Cam Newton. I know Cam had a show all in uh, with Cam Newton one time, so a little pun there. But uh, Ron was Cam's biggest supporter. He believed in him um, in every aspect of what he could do. I mean, they. Uh, it's funny because the you get the Ravens that are credited with like, hey, we came in here and we got Lamar Jackson and we adapted to what he does best, and you know that's really innovative. Well, you know what. That's what Ron Rivera did with Cam Newton back in 2011. I mean, right. their, their staff didn't have a lot of, of expertise on the, the read option um, and now the RPOs and all that. And, but they brought in people that could do that or just guide that and, and expand on what Cam did at Auburn and pretty much kind of what they're doing at, at the Ravens now with right. Lamar Jackson. So Cam wasn't nearly as uh, – as, fast as Lamar Jackson, but you go back and look at him through his first five, six seasons when he was completely healthy. He Again, he didn't run around people like Lamar Jackson, but he ran over people. You saw right. defensive and he it's, – it's a shame people forget just how good that guy was. Yeah. It is funny you bring that up because the Redskins obviously went to the heavy zone read in, 12, in 2012 with Robert Griffin III, and people started crediting them for it. But I remember going to – to, to cover a game in Carolina in 11 and the Panthers using that six, seven times a game, but highly effective because you get, you get cam one and one out in space against a defensive back. And that's a W for him. And, and how I do remember it wasn't as prevalent as what the Redskins did with Griffin, but it was definitely a part of their game. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he Griffin did a lot of freelancing out there and got a lot of his run yards that way, but cams, most of his yardage back then was, off the design runs and it got more and more as they got comfortable with what they were doing with him. And um, I, I think you'll see Ron come in with a similar approach. I was going to be interested to see who he hires as offensive coordinator. I don't know what you got on that yet. Um, I guess North Turner could be available if he would have wanted to turn that direction and, and keep doing that. And Norris more of an RPO guy than he is the read option. But it was funny when we kept thinking that you know, North Turner was going to cut back on Cam's running when he got here a couple of years ago. I think it was the first game against Dallas. Cam, I can't remember the exact number. I think he ran like 11 times in the, in the first game. And we're basically, Norv said, you just play to the guy's strength. And that's what Ron and the coaches are really good at, at playing the player's strengths. So when you look at the last several years, was it, was it just the injuries to Cam Newton that held this franchise back? I mean, because like you said, everybody I've talked to about – Ron Rivera, yourself, and others, Josh Norman, but even people, you know, who have worked with in the organization and other people around the league, they all rave about him. So was it just the injuries? What, what, else, what else maybe held that team back from having more I, success under him? I think the injuries did play a big role. I mean, remember last year, they were 6-2, and two, 
and and some big wins against some good teams. Right. And they looked like they were going to be uh, definitely a playoff team and maybe one of the better teams in the NFC. And then Cam's shoulder and that win over the Eagles where he had to throw like 21 times in the fourth quarter to engineer a comeback to beat the Eagles on the road. That I, that put a lot of pressure on that shoulder that, that they just never – it got weaker and weaker and weaker, and it really hurt them. Then they lost seven straight, and they had to finally shut down Cam for the last two games. And, yeah, and, and that – you know, if you could fault Ron for one thing, is that they decided to rely on young quarterbacks to replace uh, Cam if he got hurt. And instead of – you know, Derek Anderson for years was the guy that would come in. Right. Derek Anderson was the guy that, that they felt very comfortable with and – could come in and engineer some wins. I think back in what season was that? The, I guess it was a 2014 maybe season where Derek Anderson had to play in uh, two games, an opener and uh, another game. Both of them right. had to be against Tampa Bay. It was bad, but they won both games because they had a guy that was capable of stepping in and playing there. So um, from I think that was probably one of the faults Ron had. They, they, they really felt like it was time to develop a young quarterback down the stretch, but the problem there was you just had no insurance for a situation like they had last year and again this year. And, and while, you know, they got off to a good start when they made the quarterback change and went to Kyle Allen. I think they went their first four and five of the first six, and they were five and three again this year, but it just all kind of fell apart. More injuries happened. I mean, their defensive front, uh, if you look at what Ron did, I think they were at the top of the league most of the year, and I'm not sure if they finished number one or not in sacks, but the defense was playing really well, really lights out. There was one point where – uh, they were like on pace to to break what or excuse me tie the Bears sack record, which actually was set in '84, the year before they had the uh, Super Bowl shuffle in that terrific right. year. Uh, so I think Ron's one of the better defensive minds in the league, and that's why he got the job at Carolina back in 2011. So they're really getting the strength there. Um, I, I thought it was probably too much for him to be the head coach and the uh, defensive play caller. Uh, I think that kind of showed me the weakness that they had in the staff after losing several uh, key members over the years. And I think that was an impact. But this year they were playing without Pro Bowl defensive tackle, defensive tackle and in because they went to a 3-4 K-1 short. Uh, then Don Terry Poe, another Pro Bowl player, got hurt. Up. So that's two big bodies up front that hurt them. Um, and, and when you lose two Pro Bowl players up front, it's hard to replace that and be consistent. Sure. And, you know, you said that they went to a 3-4, but his, primarily he's been more of a 4-3 coach is what I think people are expecting up here. Um, what what have you liked about their – and I know there have been some different defensive coordinators, but he is a defensive guy, as you said. So what have you liked about their defensive style? He got a lot of it from uh, Jimmy Johnson that uh, coached with the Eagles when he was with them. And he really believes – and part of it, too, is back when he was playing under Buddy Ryan – as well uh, with the Bears. And, you know, both of those guys were defensive geniuses. So he learned a lot, and he learned that the key is you got to pressure that quarterback. you got to uh, find different ways to, to do that and be really uh, innovative with that. And I think he's done a good job of that over the years. He's, I, I think this switch to the 3-4 made a lot of sense with what they had talent-wise coming back. And, and part of him was he, think, he thought teams had kind of figured out some of the things they were doing over that first seven or eight season, it was time to make a change and mix things up a little bit. So, and, and I think it was working until the injuries kind of took their toll. And, uh, you know, and once, without Cam and having to rely on a young quarterback when they did fall behind, not being able to make the comebacks was really a lot of pressure. But, they, again, this team, before Ron was let go, they I mean, had a chance to win at Green Bay. I mean, it came down to the final play there um, on the road and – 
Christian McCaffrey was stopped, I think, right there, what, a couple of inches from the goal line right. from having a chance to tie it. Um, and they had some really chance. I think it's a lot of chance. You'll hear Ron say this after most games, and it was kind of funny. He brought a T-shirt with his words on it to his final press conference here. But missed opportunities. He really, that's he really harps on missed opportunities. And you go back to their uh, second game against Tampa Bay, the fourth where Cam was ineffective. They had a chance to win that game on the last play, right down inside the two-yard line. They had another game where they had a chance to win. So. If they could have turned one of those games around and, and won it, who knows what would have happened. But, but unfortunately for Ron here, at least, it, it all kind of fell apart. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think the Redskins are probably happy that it did. And they kind of contributed that to to too by being them in his last game with the Panthers. And um, so, you know, so they maybe they got their coach by beating the Panthers. So <laughs> I would say that kind of sped up the process because David Tepper was going to make a change anyway. But David Tepper hates to lose. I mean, he, he talked about after they were embarrassed by the Falcons a few weeks before that at home. They said, I was up twice during the night. I couldn't sleep. It was just driving me nuts. And then they turned around with an embarrassing loss to a Washington team at home that, that really wasn't very good. And no. I, I think it's, that just sped up his process. He said, I'm just going to go ahead and part ways, let Ryan go ahead and get an early jump on uh, who what team he might land with. Because David Tepper – had nothing but praise for Ron at the very end. He still thinks he's a good coach. He just felt like he needed to make a change. And, and you know, a new ownership that happens. Um, you, you have experienced Jack Del Rio. What, what is your experience like with him, and what do you think of him? Uh, well, first of all, he had a pretty good talent around him because he got to use the, what, number two pick to get Julius Peppers uh, right. one of his first years. So he had some stars on that team. Uh, Dan Morgan um, was a, a – player on that I mean they had some really good players and they turned that thing around really quickly and they went from one of the worst defensive teams in the league in 2000 what uh, was it 2001 to by 2003 they were one of the best teams and he's he too is that aggressive uh, style he'll use a lot of different formations and blitzes and things because he believes in pressing pressuring the quarterback so I think he and Ron their philosophies will be a really good mix uh, and um you know, the last thing here, because you cover Josh Norman as well, and Josh, there's a lot of speculation on Josh Norman's future here. He's got one year left. He does have the experience with Rivera. What did Rivera think of him? And are you, that's the first part. And then the second part of that is, are you surprised at how it went for Josh Norman in Washington? I answer the first part. Yeah, I'm a little surprised, but not overly surprised, because um, he, Josh is a guy that if you've got all the other pieces around him, that he could be outstanding. Um, and, and I'm not saying he can't be a shutdown corner on his own, but I, uh, for most of what Carolina did where he became that that star player and the top-paid cornerback in the league, they had a lot of pieces and they all played well together. And if you look back at Josh, and this was really unique with Josh, he came in his rookie year you know, with a low-ground draft pick, and they threw him right into the fire. Well, he, he had that – Knack for being a little bit uh, out of control sometimes, just freelancing a little bit, playing with his eyes too much. And I think in the 11th game, he did a little bit of that against Kansas City. Ron Rivera sat him down, and Josh Norman basically disappeared from playing time for a year and a half. And Ron was patient with him because he believed in him. They worked with him. And by that 2015 season, when they went 15-1, and reached the Super Bowl, and Josh exploded on the scene in the Pro Bowl and everything, Josh, Josh has become 
a leader in the locker room, a star on the field. And, you know, I, I know the Redskins with that cap number that Josh is going to have, they may have, if Ron keeps him, which I think he'll try, um, they'll probably have to do some restructuring or that. But I think Josh will be and, and Ron together. I think that'll be a, a good fit because Ron knows what Josh can do and, and Josh really appreciates Ron Rivera. And, and I think that that'll be a good starting point for him building that defense like he wants to do it. And it's funny, I talked to uh, James Bradbury, the guy that you know, replaced Josh Norman here, wore the same number, 24, and really has been one of the best cornerbacks in the league that doesn't get a lot of publicity. I mean, the jobs he's done on Michael Thomas and um, guys like uh, Julio Jones have been unbelievable. So I, I was asking him, yes, when they were cleaning out the locker room, I said, you do want to come back here? And he said, yeah, but I got to look out for myself and get the best deal. And I said, well, you know, Ron Rivera is going to uh, Washington. And he just smiles and, yeah, that's my man. So uh, still, <laughs> these players love Ron Rivera. So uh, I don't know if that fully answered what you were asking, but I, I, I think that Ron and Josh would uh, be a good combination if it could work out financially. David, awesome stuff. And I know people are going to enjoy hearing your insights. So I greatly appreciate your time, as always. And I know you got a few things to worry about on, on that with that team. So I appreciate you <laughs> taking some time out. I enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, if you got any tips on who the next coach of this team is going to be, let me know. I've got a, a few ideas out there. I know Josh McDaniels high on their list. I heard there's some interest in Josh uh, coming here, and they're going to interview the Kansas City offense coordinator uh, this week. You got Matt Rule uh, from Baylor that there's some interest in. So they're going offensive-minded. For the first time in, in, in team history, they've always hired defensive-minded coaches since 95 uh, when the Panthers started. Everyone they've had has been – defensive mind so I think there's gonna be an offensive mind coming up here well it'll be interesting for next season for both of us so David thank you very much appreciate it look forward to seeing you next year when Ron Rivera's on the other side there, there you go after this break I'll be back with Mike Jones from USA Today to discuss the latest moves and what others around the NFL think of what the Redskins are doing and of course we talk about Bruce Allen Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Mike Jones. Now I'm bringing in my guy, Mike Jones from USA Today. Mike, as always, a lot of stuff's going on here. And there's other words I would use for it other than stuff, but there's a lot of stuff. But the things we know, the things we know is that Bruce Allen is out and Ron Rivera is going to be coming in. So let's start with Bruce Allen. We've, been, we've both been around this franchise for a long time. We both heard a lot of things with him. Are you surprised ultimately that he is gone? Um, you know, it, you, it almost felt like this day was never going to come. Um, and Bruce was such a master at selling himself and finding a scapegoat. And, and he was very durable. And I, I respect his survival skills, um, even though he's a conniving person. Um, <laughs> but from what I could gather, there were people, head coaching candidates, yep. who were very – hesitant and leery of coming here even if Bruce had been moved to right. just the business side they still questioned whether or not he was going to still have the ear of Snyder or if he was going to stick his fingers back into things because they had seen 
that, okay, Mike Shanahan was supposed to be in charge. Bruce wiggled his way into that. Scott McLuhan was running the show. Bruce really was in charge there. And he just continued to ascend in power. So people were very hesitant. And I think because of that, Snyder, maybe he did intend to move him. But when he got wind of that, he understood, okay, I've got to make a clean break. I've got to give whoever the guy that's giving me the best chance to turn this franchise around as a head coach, I've got to give him what he wants and not worry about my allegiances of the past. And, and you know, it's funny you say that because, like, I heard that about coaching candidates. I've also heard about the GM candidates, too, that you're not going to get someone right. in here that, that if Bruce Allen is still here because their feeling was the people who have worked here, as you know, would say they can't see him staying away from things. And, um, but the funny thing is I, I hear the same about Dan Snyder. Now it's his team, but he likes to inject right. himself, too. But I did hear about GM candidates, but it was still – it's. It still signals for for Dan, I think it had to have been somewhat of a hard move because Bruce has been really tight with him. And then Larry has the trainer, another guy who's been very tight with Dan. I just wonder if he if, – I guess it seems like Dan Snyder finally got that something really needed to change here. Yeah, I think that when he came out there every Sunday and looked around that stadium and saw – how few Redskins fans were there, and the number of visiting fans. I think that the outcry, he really realized he had to do something drastic. I think that maybe he still thought he could get away with doing it his way um, and, and not being as drastic. But then once hearing from people that he was interested in, like you said, not just head coaches, front office people as well, um, and talking to people in the league. I know there were conversations with league people, and he got the understanding and he conveyed that he understood he needed a franchise reset. Um, and, you know, people weren't sure, okay, does that franchise reset mean a full reset like you should? Or is he going to try to find a way to still hold on? Well, it came down to him doing that reset. Um, you know, Bruce Allen out, like you said, Larry Hess out. Um, and we'll see what other changes follow. Um, but it, it, everything I can gather He's willing to give this head coach what he wants. And if this guy says, I want this, I want that, or I want this guy to come with me, it sounds like Snyder's receptive um, to that. Yeah, and I think that's clearly what it signals that he did know. And I think, you're, like you said, I don't think you're going to get a guy like Rivera unless you're going to promise him a bunch of stuff that he can – because you're coming – coaches like power and money, right? I mean, that's – right a lot of the stuff they want. So if you can get that in a place, in a place like here, and he's also a guy who likes to challenge from what I'm told, which is good because this is a challenge, but that's the stuff that's going to put you over the top. And it did sound like even over the weekend, you know, you're hearing stuff like maybe he would stay in that other role. So I just, I wonder if there was a late push by Rivera's side to say, you know, you, you've gotten to this point, but I can't do it unless you do this. You know, yeah, and that's, exactly. that's my wonder. Um, what about, what about, yeah. With Rivera, do you think he's enough with these moves, just these couple moves? Is that enough to change the perception of this place, do you think? Um, I, I don't think entirely. Um, from, from what I have gathered, um, there's still some skepticism. Obviously, he is well-respected as a coach. Um, there's no question about that. Um, but people are still wondering, okay, what is the power structure going to be like? Right. Um, because, you know, if if Snyder is not going to give his head coach um, full power, 
or if they're not going to get a smart football mind in here who is aligned uh, philosophically with the head coach, then you're not really set up for change. Um, if Rivera comes in here and say that he does bring in another guy to the front office to help a talent evaluation, I'm not saying he cleans house with the Redskins front office, but even if he kept Eric Schaefer, Doug Williams, all those guys, and bring somebody else in, you then get the indication that, okay, this is a new day. Um, there is a willingness to fully change. Right now, it's like, okay, good step in getting Rivera, but what's next? And that's something that's going to take some time before people feel, okay, that they can um, you know, pass judgment on whether or not um, this is enough uh, to, to spark a true turnaround. You know, the people I've talked to about Rivera like him a lot, and whether it's players, I've talked to other people in the league about him. I haven't heard a lot of bad things, but I'm sure you were probably talking about him to more people because there were so many jobs or several jobs that would be open. What were you gathering on him? Were you that doing? he wasn't going to be out of work for long, that he was going to have options. That's why I'm kind of surprised that he is coming here just because of the fact that, um, if he had waited, I think other teams that were going to uh, to were going to to be on board um, and, and coming after him. But as we know, Dan Snyder is master at selling, and when he locks in on a guy, he knows how to close the deal. So whatever he told Rivera, um, you know, and I'm sure his agent did some some homework on potential you know job situations and and who would you know be in charge and what kind of freedom. Rivera would have and whatever he heard from the Redskins made him confident enough that he didn't have to wait. Um, and so a lot, everybody I talked to, um, he's a guy that it stresses character, discipline, accountability, trust, um, hard work, dedication. Those are all the building blocks of his philosophy. And he knows how to assess the player's strengths and figure out how to tap into that and then pull more out of the guy. Um, that's everything that, that people have told me about him. Um, and, and also as a former player, he understands. Right. And I think that helps him command respect as well. And so that's why so many people looked at those last two years in, in Carolina and said his most important player was not on the field um, right. or was not fully healthy. And so they didn't hold that against him, but they felt like he came in here, took a team that was 2-14, and 14, had him in the, in the playoffs a couple years later, got him to the Super Bowl, you know, there were always some deficiencies talent-wise as far as the, the, the weapons that they gave Cam Newton until they got Christian McCaffrey, but still the wide receiver position was something. And, you know, maybe now this is the first time that he uh, is going to have, you know, last say on personnel. Maybe they gave him optimism that, okay, now in this type of situation, I can get a team over the hump. Is it, is it good for a coach to have all that power? I think that if he has a guy in the front office that he very much trusts and respects, that they can give a little pushback and you can, can really, um, uh, you know, look at the full spectrum and make smart decisions. Um, some guys, not every head coach um, is able to handle that. Um, and then you have some guys um, that are. And I feel like for Rivera, although he doesn't have the, the experience, I think if he is armed with a smart football mind that shares his philosophies um, and they know and trust each other very well, he'll be okay. Um, a lot of head coaches will be like, look, 
I'm the one coaching this team. I want to have input on who I'm working with, what coaches. Um, but it, you know, you have to, it takes a mature guy, leader, and from everything I can gather, he is one of those. Nobody was on the same page at the same pace in lockstep. I think with Rivera, you're going to see an organization, a, a, a locker room that has the tone set by their head coach, and they're all working. You know, I'm not maybe if it's not absolute perfection, but they are working towards a common goal in a similar manner. And so I think that's one of the big things, the discipline and the uniformity and leadership is what Rivera will bring. What do you got coming up on the Football Jones podcast? You know, I'm going to talk about um, some of the, the hirings and firings. Um, did a little bit on that last time and then, right. you know, going to revisit now that Rivera is official. And then also turn attention to the playoff games because, you know, got some intrigue that will be happening this weekend here. Good, good deal, Mike. I appreciate you joining me as always. After this break, I'll share my thoughts on the Ron Rivera move, what I heard from people who worked with him in Carolina, and what the firings of Bruce Allen and Larry Hess signal. now I have a few thoughts on this hire, and it, bear with me because there'll be a couple of them here, but I think you're going to want to hear these. First of all, this is a terrific hire. You heard what David and Mike said about Rivera, and it's what I've heard from anyone I've asked. I spoke with someone who knows him well in Carolina, worked with him, and I told him, I want to know what he thought of Rivera. What are the Redskins getting? And he quickly said, he's a freaking awesome coach. He loved his motivational skills. It's not like he was out there always shouting away. That's not motivation. When I asked this person for an example of his motivational skills, he said that he went back to the fact that he spent a lot of time getting to know the players as more than just players. He figured out what made them tick, and that's how he would get through to them. Now, that method isn't always going to work. Clearly, Rivera had you know five full, five full losing seasons in Carolina, um, you can attribute all those to whatever you want, but it's not like they were always winning, but it is something that he does well, and it's why that players always say he gets the most out of his guys. You heard that over and over and over again. Rivera is not Joe Gibbs. Let's make that clear, of course. But this person said that that skill reminded him of a guy like Gibbs. It's not as if players were here walking around wondering if Jay Gruden cared about them or not, and that's why they didn't play as well for him or whatever. It's not about that. Players like that, Gruden, Gruden would engage the back-end players as well as the stars. But for me, it suggests a coach who takes that extra step. And I've long thought that that extra step was missing here. All right, let's go on to the next one. The hiring of Jack Del Rio as a defensive coordinator, which was not finalized when I spoke with David for this podcast. Now it is. I think this is a fantastic move as well. I'll go more into depth on him in a later podcast, but I'll say this for now. One person who played the game and remains involved in the NFL has always told me, look at the track record of a guy, especially as a coordinator. Well, Del Rio's track record is damn good. He's been a DC for four years, or in four years, and in three of those years, his team's finished top five in either points or yards allowed. He improved those Ds dramatically in his first year. 
The last time the Redskins finished top five in either of those categories was in 2008. They've been trying to build a a decent defense for a decade, and they failed. Last year at this time, the Redskins interviewed a handful of defensive coordinator candidates. None of them wanted the job. I know some were telling people that this was an odd process. They didn't trust working here. It was a goofy process, talking to guys while the defensive coordinator, Greg Minuski, was still in the building, for God's sakes. It was a terrible way to operate. And some of their hesitancy was about Jay Gruden's job status, but it was just the overall vibe, too. Now, well, they just hired Del Rio, a highly accomplished coordinator. Another good move for the Redskins. And so that leads to the next one. Give owner Dan Snyder a credit for these moves so far. They were good and necessary and will help change the culture in this building. It's not as if, and I'm going to go back to the firings now. It's not as if the players felt about Bruce Allen the same way the fans did. Some liked him because their interactions with him were good. He also brought a lot of guys here and, you know, shoot, money buys loyalty. I don't celebrate anyone's firing. It's not like I had some great relationship with Allen, but I felt like he did respect me. For example, I spoke with him on the phone for about 40 minutes earlier this season for the story that Jason Reed and I wrote this past week um, about what went wrong during his tenure. He answered every question and could have just blown it off. Now, he wasn't always going to give you the answers you wanted, which the only answer you guys ever wanted was, quote, I suck and I should be fired. Short of that, and I get it. I know you guys are frustrated, and I don't blame you. But I'm just telling you that not everybody would do that, and I, you know, I and I respect the fact that he did. Um, also, a few years ago, when ESPN laid off some workers in the spring, one of the calls I got was from Bruce Allen. He wanted to make sure that my job was safe, and I always appreciated that. It didn't mean I thought he was great. Didn't mean I didn't fail to see everything else, and it didn't change my approach. But I did appreciate it, and so I just want to share that with you because sometimes you just you just just want to share that. Anyway. I definitely talked to other people who did not like him or respect him and felt he had no pulse in the locker room, and he therefore had no idea what or who fit in there. Also, the firing of athletic trainer Larry Hess was necessary as well. Again, not every interaction that he had with guys was bad. I do know some players who liked him until they needed to get a lot of treatment. Then their opinion tended to often changed. I heard that from several guys. And again, it wasn't unanimous. Nothing ever is. But this, is, this was some of the stuff you'd hear over the years. Um, it was a lax atmosphere in the trainer's room. It was a lax atmosphere kind of overall. And too many guys, I don't feel like, took it seriously. Even some big-name guys didn't take it as seriously as they should, and that frustrated other players. That's not just always on the trainer staff, mind you. That's on guys being responsible for their own treatment and getting in there. So, And I've mentioned this in the past, but it's not something I harped on. Maybe I should have more. I don't know. But it is. Um, I'll just say... This When I covered Gibbs' second stint, you knew that the building was all about football. The staff was about football. The goal was to win. Didn't always do so clearly, but you knew that's what drove people, including the trainers like Bubba Tyre when he was here. I can't say the same of late. I think they wanted to win. I don't think they, I don't think they were driven to win because if they were, I think they would have had a more detailed approach. And when you are, you're much more in tune with those details. And I view the trainer's room as a big part of that detail. It needs to be taken seriously. And that means not only does it take it seriously by the play, it's by everybody. That's by the higher, higher ups. When they take it seriously, it trickles down to the coaching staff. And the coaching staff then gets it to the trainer's room. And the trainers the trainers then have the players get it like that. So it's just a trickle-down effect. I'm not just blaming Larry Hess for, the, for all that by any means. But I do think that it's something that has to improve. The Redskins under Allen and Snyder didn't do that enough. Now, they need to hire someone good and add more trainers as well. 
get more beds in there so players don't have to wait on treatment. And that's been a problem too. That's on that's not on the trainers. That's on the organization having been, to be honest, cheap in some of those areas. Um, and, and again, lacking the details. So I don't know. If, the other part is I don't know yet what this means for Trent Williams. I know when I spoke with him a few weeks ago and I told you this, he wouldn't rule out a return under this scenario. He also knew they were still a far, far apart in some of the details. But we'll see what happens here. I think that's a stay tuned situation as well. Another one. But the, these moves also suggest where Snyder is at with wanting to win. Allen and Hess were two of his trusted guys that he liked to hang out with. You can, I think you know what that means. For all the talk about Snyder's pension for tra- change early in his tenure and being volatile with that, I felt recently he's hung on to people and players for too long, especially if he likes them. He wanted to have fun owning the team. It can't have been fun lately for him. Too much losing, bad press, empty seats. Finally, he clearly asked what's best for the franchise. Cleaning houses, and he's doing it. He deserves kudos for that. You might think it's easy to fire these people, but but these were his guys. And I think the same is true of Eric Schaefer if he indeed leaves in May after the draft has been speculated, whatever. Schaefer is a trusted lieutenant, and somebody I talked to, a couple of people I talked to earlier this week were shocked that he would that he might not return. He's good at what he does. If these guys aren't safe, then there are zero people in the building who should feel secure. At least the holdovers. Clearly, the, co- the new coaches, Ron Rivera, should feel pretty secure for now. Will this work? I don't know. I know that Rivera will have Gibbs-like power in the organization. I don't know yet if that's good because it doesn't always work for coaches. It's difficult. The key is who comes into the football offside and how they work together. I know some of the people mentioned as candidates like Lewis Riddick, Morocco Brown. I don't know Rick Smith, but I know the first two would be good from this standpoint. They understand and respect the chain of command and they won't go leaking stuff if they disagree with the move. Riddick has been in the media, but he was not a talker before he entered this realm. He was here a long time when I was covering the team. He never talked. My point is that too often in the past, what happened here was this. There would be a division over who they wanted to draft or sign. And if it was a non-football guy making the move, Allen or Snyder, then you'd eventually know because others didn't want to be saddled with that mistake. That leads to division and leaks and the circus that always seemed to engulf the place. I know some are skeptical it'll ever work under Snyder. They're skeptical he can stay away. I was told by one former staffer that Snyder would funnel his desires through guys like Allen or Schaefer. Well, he's lost those guys. I don't know who his trusted guys will be now. On New Year's Eve, I had a former player call me up and say, I told you he just wants to win. Perhaps this is the time he's figured out the right way to do so. Stay tuned. That's it for now. Thank you to David Newton from ESPN and Mike Jones from USA Today, as well as the Football Jones podcast for joining me. Give Mike's podcast a listen. It's really good. And thank you for listening. It's not just a new year, Redskins fans. It's a new day. Enjoy it and talk to you soon.